Well, hello again, listeners. This is Jamie Ellis Podspace. I want to thank each and every one of you guys for tuning in to my um, station once again. Oh, guys, um, I just deleted. I, I don't know if you guys uh, got an opportunity to listen to my self-control um episode that I did um, about a week or so ago but I ended up just trying to go into my libraries to try to delete some of the ones I've already done and you know that I've like modified and I ended up deleting that message on self-control <laughs> oh it's I'm just like man it's so bad but if you guys have the link if I've um already and um you have it already saved just um you know i'll try to see if i can upload it again but it was over almost an hour long so we'll just see about uh you know see if we can uh re-upload that in the future because there was so many beautiful things in there that i wanted to that i've talked about that you know and it was just so encouraging so um yeah um just a heads up with that i hope you guys are having a great week so far i've missed you like i always say (laughs) Um, i just wrapped up my semester and in class and um we just had our exams this past week and um i did pretty well on them you know it's like i did um a lot better than i thought i would have done so now i'll be able to consistently try to upload um, I want to say at least every once, once every week. Um, I know I said in a previous um, post that it was going to be every two weeks, but I want to try to see if I can aim for every week now. Um, I just, um, I just um, made a post um, in WordPress. I started a blog about four or five months ago uh, with my personal testimony on it. Um, I also just made a post. Um, or I plan on making a post or finishing (laughs) a blog post on, um, sexual purity. Um, it's just basically me uh, going into details, um, you know, just about, um, how the church views, uh, sexual purity and things like that. So on that note, um, since the time is fleeting, um, we are going to be doing a podcast. I'm going to be doing a pod episode, I mean, on sexual immorality. So, you know, it kind of goes right along with it. Uh, my blog post and this. So tune in if you can. Um, my link is um, called, it's www.hopeinhim.com. And that's H-O-P-E-I-N-H-I-M. And Carl, C A R L I C A R L J, I mean, dot wordpress.com. So all of its lowercase is www.hopeinhim, C A R L J, dot wordpress.com. So there's no I in it. <laughs> um, um, go over there and, and support me, check it out. And, uh, you know, share it around with other people as well. Okay, guys, we're just going to jump right on into this pod episode. I might have to break it up into two. Um, So let's just get right into it. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, um, I come to your throne, Father. 
um, asking Lord for um, the right words, Lord, uh, that would really um, encourage and um, let others, uh, the ones that are listening, Lord, their minds be open as they receive this message, Father God. I thank you, Father, for your uh love and your grace father god and for the holy word that you leave us to help us to live a righteous right life lord um i thank you for your presence that's in my life and all the listeners lives out there lord i pray that they um that you would give them joy and um uh, many blessings father god each and every day as the day go on lord uh we love you um in jesus name amen all right, guys. So we have a lot to cover. Um, I, like I said, I'm, I, it's on the episode is called uh, Sexual Morality. I'm not sure what I'm going to actually name it, but it's more so just talking about how God views sex, you know. And um, I guess I could just start off with. Um, With Solomon 8.4. It says, O daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Chapter 6, verse 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Verse 20, For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, whom are God's. Okay, let's go to Ephesians 5.3. It says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not let it not be named among you as is fitting for saints. Okay, so basically I'm talking, like I said, I'm talking about sex. Uh, this is how God views sex um, for, you know, people that are saved. Um, sex is not like just a physical thing, you know, sex is, uh, spiritual and emotional. Um, our body is, is connected to each other. Um, and the person that we have sex with, um, you know, it becomes physical and emotional, um, physical, emotional and spiritual connection as well. Um, let's go to Genesis 2. 18 I think that's a great starting point you guys know I'm working on structure too I have everything I want to say but now I'm just putting trying to put it into uh, order okay and after we look at this then we're going to go jump into a story about that so Genesis chapter 2 verses 18 Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 
It says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper. First, first, let's go up to um, verse. Before we get to that, we're going to go up to verse 7. So let's go up to chapter 2. Verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Okay, the thing about this, one thing that I, I recognize about this is like the Lord breathed not into man's mouth, but he breathed into his nostrils, Adam's nostrils, and uh, the breath of life. And man became a living being. So like I said, there is no, I said in a few sermons before, there is no tangible, like actual soul. Uh, the breath of the Lord, that the breath of the Lord into our body makes us a living soul. So us being as a, in a body, spirit, um, it's, it's, it's a soul. And that's with our personality, our, our uh, will, our um, desires, our morals, all of that is in... Um, is, is in us you know but there's no physical soul i just wanted to mention that again so yeah god breathed into man's nostrils and he became a living breathing soul or a living human being you know so um i think it's so funny that that it says that he breathed into man's nostrils because i think about like how i always breathe out my mouth and never my nose <laughs> and um I, I just like have so many like my nose is constantly always stuffed up and things like that. And I I really feel like we were meant to just breathe, you know, out our our nose in the first place. I don't know if people if, it, if that has been a thing and people have said that. But I see why now, because the God of the creator of the universe breathed into our, our nose. You know, I think they say you're supposed to breathe in your nose and then breathe out of your mouth. I don't know. But I just made that connection okay let's go down to verse 18 okay um and the lord said it is not good that man should be alone i will make him a helper comparable to him out of the ground the lord god formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to adam to see what he would call them and whatever adam called each living creature that was its name so Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. Adam name means um, um, red, red skin. Yeah, so um, I don't know. I guess it's comparable to like how human skin is. That's what his meaning, the meaning of his name is. So, um, so yeah, Adam fell into a deep sleep and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up his flesh in his place. So God took out one of Adam's ribs and he closed his flesh back up. Then he took, then the rib which the Lord had, God had taken from man, he made into a woman and he brought him to her, to the man. And he brought her to the man. So the Lord made Adam from the dust of the ground, from the dirt. He made Adam fall into a deep sleep. 
took out one of his ribs and took that rib that was out of Adam and made a woman from uh, Adam. Um, so I'm guessing the Lord did the same process by taking dust from the earth and taking that rib and um, making a woman out of it woman out of uh that that rib so adam only really had one rib and then eve had the other rib so they both owned they both didn't have you know double ribs they both just had one rib in their body um and i think that says a lot you know to who or maybe eve had two ribs maybe lord just took that one rib and then made her other rib and then Adam just had one rib, but for sure Adam only had one rib. And I think, like I said, that shows a lot about um, how God views marriage and how God views oneness, oneness in relationships and marriages. You know, well, not relationship, but marriages. Um, and that, um, what's that saying? They always say, women can live without men, but men can't live without women. <laughs> I don't know how true that is, but in this case, you know, God didn't mean for man to be alone. Okay, so verse 23, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called one man because she was taken out of man. Verse 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Okay, so now we are going to go to we're going to go to a few scriptures. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in Corinthians for a little bit before we get jump into the story. First Corinthians six ten. Okay. It says neither fornicators nor idolaters idolaters nor adulterers nor homosexuals nor sodomites nor thieves nor covetous nor drunkards nor revilers nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of god okay let's go to down to um up to um well i mean over rather to um first corinthians 7 2 Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. Okay, let's go to down to a couple ones to verse eight. So we see here just to explain it, the other ones, but it was pretty clear, you know, 
sexual homosexuality, uh, idolaters, adultery. Like God says, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. That means you won't be able to see the kingdom of God. And if you're bound by these things, because those things are sins to God, it says in, um, Exodus twenty fourteen, the seventh commandment says, do not commit adultery. And then this, the 10th commandment says, do not cover your neighbor's house or his wife or his female or male servant. And it goes on and on and on. Um, adultery means voluntary sexual sin between a married person who is not his or her spouse. So that's adultery. Fornication means sexual sin with people between two people who are not married to each other. Sexually immoral means selling off sexually sexual immorality or immoral means um, in Greek sexually immoral means the selling off of um, sexual purity or whoredom, idolatry or fornication or any kind of sexual expression outside of biblically defined marriage relationships. So that goes for masturbation. That goes for, um, you know, sexual sin um, outside of marriage. That goes for people that aren't married. Um, it's all of it. All of it together. Okay, so let's go to Matthew 5.28. Okay, wait, wait, let's go down to, uh, we didn't go down to uh, verse 9. Verse 9, First uh, Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9 says, But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry, for it is better to burn, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Okay. Likewise, Matthew 5, 28 says, So we see here clearly what, how God is viewing marriage. He's saying that if you if you feel like you don't have self-control and that you want to, it even says in another scripture that um, if a guy, if someone um, sins and it is better for them to lose an eye than to, um, to perish or if a person uh, sins with his left arm is rather for it better for him to lose that right arm than for him to uh, die than to go to heaven. So Matthew five twenty eight says, "But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye caused you to sin, pluck it out and and cast it from you. There it is. For it is better profit for you that." Uh, that one of your members die than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And he goes on to say about the right hand. You know, so basically sin starts in our heart. You know, the things that we think and that we desire, that that first starts in our heart, you know. And then, um, you know, and God says that whatever man thinks, so is he. So... If you think of that in his heart, and then it says in another scripture that um, whatever a man treasures, his heart will be also. So um, that goes on to say that. So Matthew 5.28 um, goes on to talk about 
how that goes together with um with uh coveting someone else's wife and how god wants the person to marry okay let's go to okay well really fast we we, we, we think about you know today how we just live in such a sex crazed culture right now i mean let's be we we see like sex on TV. We see it on the billboards. We see it on the commercials. We see, we hear it through music. I mean, sex is just really selling all around us. You know, that's the reason why we we feel like you know. And then it's good also, <laughs> you know. And there's uh, uh, people out here that are into sex work. There's people out here that are doing all kinds of things. Um, that relates to sensuality and sex and lust and it's making money you know and i think that um that shows us the kind of depraved world that we live in you know there's something that's so natural that god created how we just um you know make it so disgusting and so um just just depraved okay it even says and um psalms 23 um where god says lead us not into temptation lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil so god like he said god doesn't tempt anyone he he is too pure to tempt anyone he doesn't lead us um he doesn't lead us in temptation because he's not evil he doesn't uh sin but what god mean in this text is saying that as long as we stay in him then he will help us. He will strengthen us to not want to be tempted by our desires and by Satan, you know? So, and that's why it says in 1 Corinthians 10, I can't remember, 10, 4, it says that the Lord will provide a way of escape for us when we're under temptation that, um, so that we may overcome it, you know? So God, he, he helps us when we are trying to stay in him, when we do repent and we do repent of our sin and then we turn away from it he'll strengthen us in that and i mean i can say for myself you know i'm definitely on my journey right now uh, of purity and a lot of people want to use the little fancy names and say celibacy or all that other stuff but i'm just saving myself for god uh because my body is a temple of the holy spirit and um it says that I think I just read that, yeah, like our body being the temples of the Holy Spirit, um, and so we have to we have to protect it. Even even just like God says in, in Proverbs four twenty three, to guard your heart above all else, for it does it guard your heart above all else because it directs your life. You know, so the things that we think, our heart and our mind, is so connected to each other. We can believe certain things from with the things that we think with things that we have in our heart we can easily believe that in what we think that's why um it's so important to transform your mind that's why even now a lot of people say like in your weight loss journey or in other areas of your life like you can do it you know it's it's a mind over matter thing or they'll say you know all you got to do is think it think it through and you got it because our mind and the things that we think is so power because powerful because it's connected to our heart you know like i said we are 
spirit, we are soul, we are body, we are spirit and soul. Um, and, um, you know, we're one. We're one in God. That's the reason why uh, God wants us to do that. Okay, so really quick, we're going to go to Jude. Jude 1-7. Jude is the last, second from the last. Um, scripture, second, second from the last chapter in the Word. Okay, let's go to verse number seven. It says, uh, "As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, in a similar manner to these." having given themselves over to sexual immorality and going after strange flesh are set forth as an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh reject authority and speak evil of dignitaries okay i just read it down to verse eight but um sodom and gomorrah the city of sodom and gomorrah was just full of evil you know like they were sleeping with each other they were drunkens gluten's um they had idols and things like that and god destroyed that city he destroyed it and he saved um lot and his 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 family members and um you know but his wife perished because she looked back but he saved just those few people out of lots which is abraham's nephew's lineage you know so um god uses this as an example to say that you know if you give into uh it's a commandment of mine if you give into sexual sin and lust and greed and all of these other things you will not reap eternal life you will not reap the kingdom of god but you'll reap eternal fire and we know that that is what will eventually come of um, us that continues to sin because it says in another scripture what does it say it says that um when um sin is birthed it it reaches death when sin is conceived um it births desire and desire births to death you know one of those ways but eventually the ultimate consequence is uh prediction and that is eternal um eternal death and fire with satan and his demons at the end times so um god doesn't say this because he wants to just put out all these different types of rules he does this because he wants to protect us from the evil that's in the world you know so even despite of seeing all these different posters and all these things like that with the help of the lord and help leading us away from temptation and giving us his holy spirit which is the spirit of truth and, and, and the spirit of comfort to help us to be holy like Jesus is holy. Okay. Um, okay, a couple more. Okay, we touched on that. Okay, let's go to Corinthians 5.32. I think we were already in here. We just 
the way I have it written down, it's just kind of like all crazy that way. Chapter five. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No. Let's go to Romans 13, chapter 13. Okay. Romans, that's right before Corinthians, chapter 13, verse 13. <clears throat> it says, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revel, revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So like I was just saying, yeah, it goes back to saying, you know, that if we starve our flesh and we sow into the things that are eternal, which is the spiritual things, then God will reward us for those things. But if we try to uh, sow up, uh, um, if we try to store up treasures on earth and try to get all these things, you know, God said that is where moth and rust destroy. So that, that is where moth and rust decay and it becomes destroyed because we can't take those things with us when we leave. There's another parable in the Bible with a man, um, a man that um, that was rich and um, he was in the field and he wanted to plant more um more uh, vegetation and um he didn't think to give away some of his 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 goods but he thought okay well i got a whole bag of more seeds so i'm gonna you know store up and, and plant the rest of these so i can be basically filthy rich with this greed which is greed and um you know he died and all of his his money that he got from all of this these crops and vegetations and stuff he couldn't use it because he died and that's why God told us not to store up things on earth where we can't. He said those things are vain and it's a chasing after the wind. But we need to sow to our flesh. We need to become to know who God is so that we can be whole and that we can uh, think of the things that are eternal. Because like I said, really, we are spiritual people. Um, we're having a human experience. Um, when God comes to live in a believer, uh, the believer um begins to think differently and becomes um have a have a more brighter positive perspective and um, they think of spiritual things but even though for a believer a person falls a person falls and um even for a believer you fall and god says many other many times a righteous may fall but he will always uphold him with his righteous right hand so those things that um that uh, will defile our flesh and, and all of these things like that. God tells us that so that he can help us to be more like his son, Jesus Christ. But we cannot be like Jesus if we continue to give over to our flesh. Because remember, even as a believer, or whether you're not one, God gives us free will. That That's part of him, of his unconditional love. He gives us free will each and every day to choose, you know, either the kingdom of God or you choose the kingdom of Satan, you know, and that wages war against us every day. That's why we have to stay girded with the armor of God, you know, because like I say, with all this, this sex and the sex crazed world that's going on around us. And then, um, you know, we have people that 
that that pressures up. We have these social systems. We have the political systems that set up to try to get us to go towards um, their teaching, their rules. And, you know, so we have a lot of things that are going against us. But with God and with the Holy Spirit, we are more than conquerors through all of these things. You know, God's saying this so that we can be pure, blameless uh, when Jesus comes back for us. Um, very, very soon, might I add. So um, that's what that is. And, um, you know, it just, it goes to show, it goes to show what kind of person that we want to be. You know, um, if we want to be a person that's of integrity and that um, is a soldier for God and that fights for the right types of things and that souls keeps in step with the spirit, um, then God will reward us at that right time, you know? But if you're sowing to our flesh and you're a slave to your emotions, you're a slave to, um, you know, the things of the world, if you have idols and all of that, things like that, you're not going to reap eternal life. You know, and God, like I always say, God desires for all of us to come to heaven. He doesn't want any of us to stay here on earth and die and perish because we are in hell on earth right now, you know. But that's why he says that it's a spiritual battle going on with all these things that's going on around us. It's a spiritual battle uh, with flesh, with the flesh, with good and evil. I mean, the spirit is a spiritual battle. It's not a fleshly battle of good and evil. Um, but we have to just stay girded up in, in the armor of Jesus Christ. Another thing we think about is soul ties, um, which are formed through regular relationships. You know, um, there is, um, quite a few different types of soul ties, but one in particular when it comes to sex is sexual soul ties. And, um, <clears throat> that is basically like I was saying earlier, you're, you're, having sex with someone and you know say that you're married and they're unequally yoked and they're not married you know our 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 body our 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 body our spirit and our soul is connected to that person each and every time he has sex that's the reason why god said that um you know to abstain from it and that if you burn with lust then you shouldn't marry because remember in the beginning god had created uh adam and eve um uh, so that they would be one so sex is a manifestation and and a symbol of their oneness of their love for each other so if you're you know out here having multiple having multiple sex partners and or either you're in a marriage and you're having sex outside of your marriage um you know those things wage war against our soul you know and then i i watched this sermon um because i've been reading up about like sexual immorality and uh marriage and things like that for the last year or so uh because it's definitely been helping me on my journey um the sexual purity um and i've learned little bits and pieces about about it but uh last um last year sometime 
uh, one of the guys were saying that, you know, that's the reason why people, ha you know, have depression or reason why their moods constantly change because they have all these different energies and, and, you know, inside of them, you know, but if you're one with your husband, that's why God said in Genesis 2, um, 23 or 24, he says that he wanted man, he wanted man to have someone that is comparable you know so someone he can relate to someone that can be his helper so if you're with god and you're a believer then that other person needs to be with god and be a believer and then god will bring you guys together in oneness um through him so that's what that is saying you know because god desires all of us to experience sex and come on sex feels good we love it <laughs> if we didn't love it we wouldn't do it and there's even um i read somewhere in, in uh, one of my cultural anthropology class it was saying that bonobos bon bo bobos or bonobos and whales have sex for enjoyment <laughs> there, you know all the, all the other animals they usually do it just for procreation but they actually do it just for pure enjoyment they love sex you know so um and we're the same you know if we didn't like it we wouldn't do it but god wants us to be pure in the way we go about it um and um every time that we have sex with our married husband or married wife we are within the covenant of God and God just glories his angels glory in that because we're honoring his commandment, his his purity for us. But when we do it outside um, of the law, aside of what God is saying, then the devil is happy. The devil is happy because he knows that, you know, we're, we're not waging war against our soul, our flesh, uh, but also our spirit. You know, and God wants us to be free from strongholds and things like that in our life. And those things that can become idols in our life. Okay, so that's the biggest things that I, I that's the biggest one right there. I mean, besides of it, like I said, it's just wrong in general. Okay, so let's go in the beginning. I um read a scripture of Solomon 8, 4. Uh, where it says, O daughters of Jerusalem, do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Uh, Solomon um, wrote this. Basically, it's, it's a church. It's God talking about the church in the city of Jerusalem, how his love for them. You know, but you can also look at it as God is telling us sexually to be sexually pure. So not awaken lust, not to entertain yourself in pornography and sexual images and conversations and things like that. To be self-controlled in those things, uh, to protect yourself from it. And he'll do the rest for us. Like he said, when we're tempted, he'll provide a way of escape so that we can uh, overcome it. But if we don't put the... Um, if we don't protect ourselves around this sex crazed world from those temptations, um, the best we can and, and come to God, um, humbly come to God in spirit, um, in our spirit, um, and, and humility and pray in every day, then we will not be able to survive. We won't be able to survive and be so controlled to stay pure. Like God wants us to. Okay, so two stories I think about um, in 
two stories that I think about in um, the word with sexual purity or sexual impurity. The first one I think about is uh, the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but this is a really popular sermon. And it's in John 8. It starts in John 8. So it's in the Gospels. Chapter 8 verses. Let's start at chapter. Let's start at verse <clears throat> At verse 1. Yeah, let's start at verse 1. It says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him. And he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees bought, brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And, and when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something, of course, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, and though he did not hear, as though he did not hear. And, um... It was told that Jesus, when he scooped down, that he was actually writing down all of the people's sins that they had committed. Okay, verse 7. So, when they continue asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Verse 8. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience went out one by one beginning with the oldest even to the last and jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst when jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman he said to her woman where are those accusers of yours has has no one condemned you she said no one lord and jesus said to her neither do i condemn you go and sin no more Verse 12, then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Okay. Okay, so we see here that Jesus gives this woman forgiveness. And this times, uh, if a woman is, you know, having uh, relations, sexual relations with a person she's not married, there she's looked down and disgraced upon, and she ultimately gets the penalty of being stoned. <clears throat> it reminds me of um, the book I read, the, the Scarlet Letter, um, when um, this woman. Uh, basically was um, pregnant but not by her husband because her husband was lost at sea so she was basically um, you know just shunned by her whole community and she had to wear this letter A embroidered on her dress which in front of everyone to show that she was um, caught you know had she was committed adultery outside of marriage and then she ended up having to go to jail for it and um it's a really great story, but um, they treated her pretty badly. Uh, but it's the same way as in, the, in these times, you know, people stone women that um, 
that um, were sexually immoral. And um, but God showed them that He showed them the grace. What grace means undeserved favor. He showed them his grace. He showed her his grace, but he showed them that forgiveness. That you know what? Judge not that you may not be judged. You know? It's like the Lord says in, in another scripture in Matthew. He says, hey, why do you see this speck in your in your brother's eye, but there's a huge log in your own? So only thing they can think about, the scribes and the Pharisees, was that, oh, wow, the word says this. Oh, you better keep it. If not, you know, but they forgot love. They forgot God's grace, you know? And um, the Lord showed that to her. And um, she said no more. You know, he told her not to send no more. And I believe she she didn't send after that because that was a huge testimony of how grace and love and forgiveness, the power of grace and love and forgiveness um, for this woman and, and knowing that she's been caught in, in multiple adulteries. And that's the same thing that God gives us. He gives us grace. He gives us mercy when we sin. And um, that's all through Jesus Christ, you know. Okay, another story I think about is David and Bathsheba. <clears throat> okay, that starts in Second Samuel chapter 11. So that's in the first, in the Old Testament. Okay, so David was definitely known for having 10 concubines, <laughs> you know, and a concubine is a woman who lives with a man and has low status than his wife. So like a, um, <clears throat> so like a poly, polygamous, like in polygamous societies, um, it's mostly... It's mostly just like a sexual relationship they have and they can't be married. So basically like a mistress, you know. <clears throat> so let's go to 2 Samuel. Just a second. 2 Samuel. Oh, did I not write it down? I think so. I just didn't write. First 20. Okay, guys. So, yeah, uh, we are in Second Samuel 20, verse 3. I just didn't write down the verse. It says, Now David came to his house at Jerusalem, and the king took the ten women his concubines, whom he had left to keep the house and put them in seclusion and supported them, but did not go into them. So they were shut up to the day of their death, living in widowhood. Okay, so let's go back to um, chapter 11 of Samuel. 
Okay, so we see here, you know, um, what concubine means. Basically, it's just like a mistress. But in this time, these ten women um, were probably just like servants in his household. But like he said, and in here, he they didn't he didn't sleep with them. He didn't sleep with them, so he was basically using them for sexual pleasure, for things, you know, in the house and things like that. And at this time and period in time, it was really common to have a servant. Okay, so like I said, he didn't go into any of them. So let's read um, the story of David and Bathsheba and Uriah, her husband. <clears throat> It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. David was <clears throat> the king at this time. So then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity. And she returned to her house, and the woman conceived. So she sent and told David, and said, I am with child. So out of none of the ten concubines, he didn't sleep with them, but he went into Bathsheba. Then David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. So, um... <clears throat> I guess uh, David was feeling a little guilt, guilty, so he told uh, Joab to send him uh, Uriah. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah had come to him, David asked how Joab was doing, and how the people were doing, and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house, and a gift of food from the king followed him so yeah like I said he's feeling a little guilty so he was hoping that you know if he would bring Uriah over and talk to him a little bit you know that um then he would end up Uriah would want to you know go home and he would sleep with his wife even though she was pregnant to make it seem like they conceived together okay Okay, verse 9 says, But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord, and did not go down to his own house. But when they told David, saying, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, Did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? And Uriah said to David, The ark in, the ark in Israel and Judah... The ark in Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. So Uriah was trying to in honor by sleeping on King David's, um, you know, um, 
King David's doorstep in honor because they had overcame um, <clears throat> uh, fighting the war and things like that. Um, <clears throat> Shall I then go to my house and eat and drink as I live? And okay, verse twelve. Then David said to Heriah, "Wait here today also, and tomorrow I will let you depart." So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. Now when David called him, he ate and drank before him, and he said, to, and he made him drunk. And at evening he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord. But he did not go down to his house. In the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by, hand, by the hand of Uriah. <clears throat> and he wrote in the letter saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down and die. So um, basically... He sent um, a letter to Joab and basically was trying to plot uh, to kill uh, Uriah um, when they um, were battled, when they were in battle, um, to make it look like he died, he died, you know, in battle when he actually had planned it. So what do they call that? Premeditated murder? <laughs> okay, so verse 16. So it was. While Joab besieged the city that he assigned Uriah to place where he knew there were valiant men. Then the men of the city came out and fought with Joab and some of the people of the servants of David fell and Uriah the Hittite died also. Then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war and charged the messenger saying when you have finished telling the matters of the war to the king if it happens that the king's wrath rises and he says to you why did you approach so near to the city when you fought? Did you not know that they would shoot from the from the wall? Who struck Abimelech, the son of Jerubesheth? Was it not a woman to cast a piece of a millstone on him from the wall? And so he died in Thebes. Why did you go near the wall? Then you shall say, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. So he's basically telling him what to say. <clears throat> about Uriah dying in case anybody asks about it you know so the messenger went and came and told David all that Joab had sent by him and the messenger said to David surely the men prevailed against us and came out to us in the field then we drove them back as far as the entrance of the gate the archers shot from the wall at your servants and some of the king's servants are dead and your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also then David said to the messenger thus you shall say to Joab do not let this thing displease you, for the sword devours one as well as another. Strengthen your attack against the city and overthrow it. So encourage him. When the wife of Uriah heard that her husband, Uriah, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. So the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. So, yeah, um, Bathsheba had no idea that David was plotting to kill Uriah. So, you know, he basically sent Joab to tell uh, Bathsheba this to make it look like it was just happened by chance. And he didn't, you know, was was behind the whole murder. And he thought he was doing honor with Uriah by marrying, taking uh, Bathsheba as his wife and marrying him with his son yeah so um that that was definitely you know depraved and the guy wasn't pleased with that um 
later on in the scripture in Psalm 51, uh, 1 through 10, we see that um, later on, um, the child that, well, not later on, in the next couple of chapters in Samuel, we see that the Lord ended up taking the child that Bathsheba and David had. He wanted to, he could have taken David's life, but um, someone interceded for uh, David in prayer and um, he uh, ended up taking the child instead of David. And then in Psalm 51, David basically uh, seeks forgiveness for, for Bathsheba for his sins of lust and um, um, his, his letting his flesh rule over him, um, knowing that he had 10 other concubines, women already, but he wanted, he wanted Bathsheba and, um, he received forgiveness, like I said, cause he was repentant. He, um, wanted the forgiveness of God. Um, and Psalm in Matthew fifteen nineteen. let's go there really fast. Cause it's the time is definitely taken. Matthew. 15 it's like we get going and then we just <laughs> which is good praise the lord but um yeah 15 verse 19 matthew 15 verse 19 says for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts murder adulteries fornications thefts false witness blasphemies these are the things which defile a man but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man <clears throat> um, the lord was saying in this scripture how um the pharisees was worrying so much about you know washing hands and doing all of this other stuff on the outside that oh that that doesn't you're supposed to do this in the law but God was said that doesn't defile a man if you don't wash your hands but what defiles a man is inside the enemy of our heart the sins and evil desires of our heart um, but like I said if you just stay with the Lord that God will help us to overcome and purge out those evil desires and sins. He can tame and help us to starve our flesh so that we can sow into our spirit, you know? And that's the whole point about, um, the whole point of, of speaking about this is because this is something that we cannot overcome and conquer on our own. We need the Lord's help. Even though we are more than conquerors through Jesus that strengthens us, we need Jesus to strengthen us and in order for him to strengthen us we have to pray we have to read his word we have to um, repent and then turn away from those things and rely on the Lord in order to lead us away from temptation so that we can sow um, peace joy love uh, purity um, holiness um, that he that that's pleasing that he desires so i pray that this is an encouragement to you guys of sexual impurity and um how just sinful it really is and i pray that um you're encouraged uh to just know that uh the lord he knows your heart and he knows your struggles and he is going to help you to overcome those things but he can't do it if you don't ask him to if you don't you don't ask the lord to help you he won't do it um even though he's aware of everything. So if you are struggling, whether if it's sexual impurity, whether if it's greed, whether if it's idols, whether if it's people, 
whatever your sin may be god knows it and he's familiar with every type of sin that we've experienced because he himself experienced the same thing so guys i'm just going to say a word of prayer and we're going to get out of this because uh, it's 59 minutes long <laughs> Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for your holy word. Thank you for this message. I pray, Lord, it's a blessing. Um, you said that whatever word that we <clears throat> that we put out, it will not return to you void. I thank you, Lord, for um, just giving us a message uh, and